is the Inkabao Science Show. This is Beat 97.9 FM. Welcome to the Inkaba Science Show right here on your happy station. My name is Alon Trabai Yusuf. Thank you for joining us. Yes, it's been an interesting season on the Inkaba Science Show. With um, This is the final episode of Season 4 of the show right here on your happy station. So, I will be uh, taking a short break after today's episode and bringing you the Season 5 in a couple of weeks. Of course, um, the Inkaba Science Show is highly interactive. You can join uh, the conversation 0700 1097. Or you can send in your questions via Facebook, facebook.com for a bit of M979. On the show, basically, every Monday, 9 a.m. to 9.45, we'll bring you uh, experts into the studio to help you answer science-related questions and help you break you break them down, all those complex issues you might have, into relatable units. we also bring you a repeat broadcast of the show every Thursday at 5 p.m. So on today's episode of the show, we'll be discussing um, instrument maintenance, a key to longevity. We have in the studio um, the regional engineering manager at Inkaba Biotech West Africa. You'll be telling us about the importance of instrument maintenance, how it can be levied as a tool to increase the lifespan of equipment, whether in a laboratory or not. Is engineer Henry Ogumonade. Thank you for joining us on the show. Welcome. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay, so um, um, I like the fact that you you are, of course, one of our own and you're here to wrap up, you know, season four of the Inkaba Science Show. So let's start off with um, instrument maintenance. From the engineering point of view, how would you describe this? Yeah, when we talk about um, instrument uh, maintenance, basically what we are referring to is um, the effort. Let me put it in a very simple term the effort uh, individual makes to uh, enhance the performance of their machine or equipment. Right. So the effort can comes in different forms. It can be just cleaning, disinfection, greasing the, the, the uh, mechanical part. So maintenance has to do with whatever action you take, whatever effort you make to ensure that your machine, your equipment, are working with um, optimal performance. Mm. And when we say equipment now, I'm, I'm particularly interested in this because uh, we also work with equipment yeah. in the studios where I'm sure as an engineer, you probably have seen one or two things that we're not doing right in the studio. Yeah, yeah. so you, you've seen one or two things. Yeah, <laughs> in terms of maintaining the instrument and equipment. So take us through um, different steps. You've mentioned you know different ways now to maintain okay. your equipment. So let's look at different, way, the different ways now, the different steps towards this maintenance. Yeah, when it comes to um, equipment maintainers, there are yes. different um, types. There are a lot of them, but for the for the scope of this uh, discussion, discussion. So let me put it as simple as much as possible. Number one, uh, I'll talk about what you call preventive maintainers. Now, preventive maintainers is a kind of maintainers you do um, routinely. It's a regular maintainers, and a good example is number one, cleaning, cleaning of the equipment. Uh, number two is uh, um, greasing some of the lubricating parts. Cleaning goes a long way, but people take it with levity. Let me give you a good, a very good example of disadvantage of not doing your preventive maintenance in medical field. Uh, for example, you have a machine that does a COVID test, and uh, you run a sample earlier. You didn't clean the, the wells. You didn't disinfect it, and you run another sample. By default, you have cross-contamination. Mm. I, can, I can tell you that result is not accurate. So cleaning no. goes a long way. So it's an example of a preventive uh, 
maintenance which everybody can do uh, regularly cleaning yeah. disinfecting making sure that uh, there's no contamination anywhere and it tells health health and safety goes a long way i don't hold the mic the mic wasn't cleaned earlier and another person comes to hold it you understand yes what I mean? yes so then another type of maintenance we can talk about is the predictive maintenance mm. now the predictive maintenance is a kind of maintenance you do in order to check the performance of a machine the equipment is working but predictive is okay let me check some parameters and see if they are giving me the right value i'm supposed to have if some of them are actually failing it simply means that in the future there's possibility that there might be a total breakdown of that machine mm. so some of the predictive uh, maintenance that we do are uh, number one let me give you a very good uh, simple example okay um let's say freezer now freezer this with temperature yes so different temperature probably you set it at maybe minus 20. The predictive maintenance you do is to check this guy maybe every one, one hour every we don't even hours. check our freezers <laughs> we don't even i don't even know that you can so set a temperature you, you, you might not use an external tool to check yes. we're observing so right. that's that's a very good point i wanted to make yes. observation, observation that's okay you need to observe right you're driving a car and uh while you're driving you you notice the gauge the temperature gauge is uh is high at that point, you should take precaution and say, okay, let me check. Is my fan working? Is something wrong somewhere? So you are actually checking the the, the expected. You are trying to compare the observed mm. to the expected. Now, this is quite uh, common. In some of the things people do in school, there's a chi-square method of stuff, uh, chi-square method of testing for hypothesis. So you observe against the expected. So by the time you see that your observer value, is below the expected mm. obviously you know there's a problem somewhere the temperature is supposed to be at uh, minus 20 and you observe the display on the screen it's showing minus 18 minus 17 you're like what's going on so from that you can be able to emphasize that in the future there's possibility that there can be a total breakdown mm. and in the uh the modern technology we have now they've actually make it easier because most of the equipment we use they have indicators now there's an indicator that pops up when there's a power failure some of the equipment you use you discover that maybe probably if there's the temperature of the room is too high it will be blinking the temperature alarm that oh the ambient temperature trying to notify you that well you need to observe just like you're driving a car Hmm. you see that the 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 fuel uh the fuel notification indicator is on But you are not paying attention. You are driving. Uh, all of a sudden, the car stops working. And you know, that's an entire story entirely. Yes. So that's about the predictive. Now, there's another type of uh, maintainers that we do, which you call uh, the, the, the time-based maintainers. Now, this time-base is similar to the pre- uh, preventive maintainers. It, it's a scheduled uh, maintainers. You scheduled it like, okay, at this also time, Maybe you have a calendar or your Google. At this also time, you have to do this maintenance. It's a routine maintenance, but it's scheduled. Then another one we look at is corrective maintenance. With the corrective maintenance, there is a total breakdown of the machine. So what you are coming to do is to, to correct, fix it. To fix it, exactly. Mm. So with that, at that point, uh, I don't usually classify it as maintenance because you've already allowed this guy to break down totally. So, But uh, it's still being classified as a type of maintenance, which is called corrective uh, maintenance, maintenance. Mm-hmm. now there's another one we have which is uh the condition based maintenance now with the condition based maintenance i'm going to give you a sample for this guy so that you you understand yes yes the condition based maintenance 
uh, is the type of maintenance that we do while the machine is working. The machine is working. We need to check certain parameters. They are under the preventive maintenance. You need to check, okay, let me see the, the pressure. Let me see the temperature. Is it okay? So it's condition-based because you are checking certain parameters. There's another one under the, the preventive, which is called the risk-based maintenance. Mm. Now, the risk-based, let me give you a very simple example in the studio so that you can flow it. Uh, okay. Yeah. The risk-based is a type of maintenance we do by placing priority on the most important failure that can lead to the total breakdown of the entire machine. Right. Looking at this studio, I can pinpoint one machine that you shouldn't joke with here. <laughs> That's the power supply. Obviously. So if there's power outage, you know, the, we are off. Uh, everything goes off. So yeah. if, if you are planning, because in maintenance, there are two forms. Plan, planned maintenance and unplanned maintenance. Unplanned maintenance are emergency. They happen suddenly. There's total breakdown. You need to fix it. So when you are prioritizing your maintenance, mm. you need to identify those ones that are risk-based. Because if those ones break down, Therefore, the other ones will not be able to work. work. So that's a risk-based uh, maintenance. Yeah. Now, the last one I will, I will talk about is um, the predetermined. Now, I'm going to give you an example one after the other so that you understand. The predetermined maintenance is a kind of maintenance we do in order to check performance and see if everything is in place. Let me give you a very good example. For temperature, we have a machine in the laboratory. Uh, you know, I'm... Uh, Yes, medical inclined clinical yes. engineering don't yes. mind me <laughs> so it's called uh, a thermocycler now what does a thermocycler do a thermocycler is used for polymerized chain reaction now what, do, what does that mean let's take uh, you have a DNA now you have a small quantity of DNA and you need to make more copies like you want to do photocopy mm. so what that machine does is to help you replicate those DNA so that there okay. are many then you can use them for other downstream what application. Yeah. And the principle behind the thermocycler is temperature changes. So as also temperature, it breaks the, the DNA. As also temperature, the template DNA binds and the like there are different stages. Now, but basically what the machine uses is variation in what temperature at different stages. Now there's something we do we call a uh, temperature verification process. Now what we do is that we go to the machine and check the temperature at different stages of that process. Okay. Now, for medical equipment, why we call them medical equipment? Number one is that you are using them on life. Number two, they need to conform to a, stand, a, a certain specification. If, a good example, if you have a baby that you need to incubate and the temperature needs to be at 37 degrees, my brother, it has to stay at 37 degrees. Hmm. If it drops, you know that's how that's there's a problem. <laughs> so to ensure that that temperature doesn't drop, we can do what you call a temperature verification process to take the temperature off at different stages. That okay, at 37 degrees, this guy, this guy stays there, he doesn't move. And if there's changes, there's no total breakdown of the machine, but the optimal performance, the result you are getting at the end of the day is wrong. Mm. Because if it needs to be at 37 degrees and the guy is at 30, the machine is still working. But for our intended application and our result, you're getting a wrong result. So that thermal value, temperature verification needs to be done. Okay. Like it will be predetermined maybe every six months, 
every three months based on the usage of that machine so that from that we can check and say okay for the past three months the temperature has been stable on this machine there is no deviation mm. there is no variation the machine is working but the result that is expected based on certain parameter it needs to conform to is not fulfilled okay. so we do that to ensure that okay let's check if everything is fine with this guy okay so well, you've mentioned different types now yeah. and frankly i haven't heard you know okay. many of them that you've mentioned so what determines um at what point do you decide that okay for this equipment this is the kind of maintenance i'm doing for this equipment this is the kind of maintenance out of all of the types of maintenance that you've mentioned okay so to to know uh the kind of maintenance you'll be doing by default i always advise once you get an equipment there's something that comes with the device it's called manual. a manual yeah. I can tell you, 90%, 99%, you ask them, where is the manual for this, your phone? Toss it somewhere. I'll throw this somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> because the thing is, from the manual, the specification and the, the tolerance and the expected date of service, mm. everything will be stated there. So, but by default, people assume that, oh, I've used a phone like this before. I don't need to check. Whereas for different phones, different device, they work with different region, different temperature range. For some device, they will tell you as a social temperature, you can't be downloading anything. You cannot we download don't even this read kind some of this thing. don't read it. There are specifications for the uh, humidity, for the temperature, at which that machine will work perfectly. Mm. So when you have a situation, the machine is not working. So what I expect people to do is that whenever you have a device, a brand new device, and you want to ensure that you are using it properly, you need to go through the manual specifications are always stated is that why sometimes you feel like oh my phone is very hot and maybe yeah. you know downloading too many files yes you can't, you can't do anything yes so because the guy has to go back to the suitable temperature for it to perform at the optimal level mm. whereas at the time the temperature was increasing maybe you are driving you forgot and put the phone on your dashboard you should check you should be observing oh what's wrong with this guy i'm trying to pick a call somebody's calling me and I'm not hearing what the person is saying. I say, oh, it's just network. You need to check some other things. It can't always be network. Like, mm. this thing is hanging. What's going on? Take out the battery and put it on the, on, the, on the seat next to you. Let me give you... So, to know, you have to check the manual. Secondly, you have to look at the usage. Usage is very important. Let's take... Uh, let me give you a good example. Uh, for a car, somebody will tell you that, oh, I changed my oil, the oil, my engine oil once in a month. Mm. Somebody will say, oh, you are wasting money. It should be like three times. <laughs> But for different cars, there are different kilometers you should cover for that particular oil. When you buy oil, it's written there that this oil can last you for so 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 number of oh, kilometers. Don't it again. But people don't check the oil specification. So once they buy it, they put it on the car. For three months, they don't use it and they have an issue with the engine. I'll be like, oh, this oil is fake. Did you check? The oil already stated that I can only. Sometimes you just tell the guy that's fixing it to buy the oil. Kilometer. You just tell the guy that's fixing the car to buy the oil. The guy doesn't it. Exactly. Yeah, and they just so put it there. These are some of the things that people don't pay attention to. Right. So first thing is that you need to check the manner. So from the manner, you know the, the number of usage, the time usage mm. before you do a what a maintenance. In the in the medical field, in clinical engineering, let me let me bring it down to molecular diagnostics. When I talk about molecular diagnostics, I'm talking about. Uh, using a gene to diagnose using molecular levels mm. now we have a machine which you call the every time pcr machine now this is the machine they use for covid19 <laughs> okay <laughs> test yeah covid19 test okay yeah i fixed i think one. i figured when you said pcr right yeah yeah so there are two of them there's a conventional pcr and there's a real time pcr okay the conventional one is the one that you just amplify the dna you just make a photocopy 
while for the real time you are targeting a particular gene to identify that for COVID-19 there are about four genes, uh, about three genes, N gene, E gene. So if, if they check, if they run the real time PCR and they find those genes, the person is positive. Oh, yeah, that's that's how it that's works. what determines the yeah. okay. There are there are dials the machine used to identify those genes. Now let me bring you down to that one. So let's say for example. The, there's a COVID-19 uh, equipment which is a real-time PCR machine mm. and this machine has not been maintained or calibrated uh, and that would take me to calibration has not been calibrated what do I mean by calibration? calibration is just a process of adjusting or configuring the machine to work with the to work within the acceptable range okay what I mean by acceptable range is for medical line whichever equipment you have there are only specifications that okay the the value you should obtain for this temperature should be between 37 and 37.5 that's mm-hmm. the acceptable range so if the machine is not working within that those temperature that's a problem it's out of calibration okay but the machine is still working but the result is wrong so this machine needs to be calibrated based on usage now I, I was talking to somebody recently i said i don't do covid test anyhow I do COVID tests with the labs that I know that they are up to date with their maintenance and calibration. Because sometimes you can have a false positive result. So how do you even know? That's the question. Yeah. So, so <laughs> for, for that one, yes, I think uh, it, it will help the listener. Yes, one because, the, I mean, there's the possibility of a third wave now. The information is uh, everywhere. So it's important that we you know, so, talk about that aspect of yeah. it. Yes. With uh, the, the regulatory body in Nigeria that has to do with infectious diseases, yes. the NCDC, there are some requirements they ask from laboratories and they do their own check just to certify that these laboratories are working within the required standard specification. Mm. Now, number one is calibration certificates of that machine. I will ask you, can I see the calibration certificate? You would ask before you know because you are familiar with, with, with and that's this. That's why I say it's going to help the list. Yes, now. please. So, <laughs> you, it's your right. You mm. need to ask so that you can ensure that the machine is working within specification and the result they are giving to you is correct. Say it again, what, what are we supposed to ask for if we go to the lab? The calibration certificate of the machine. Calibration certificate of the machine. Yeah. That's the first thing you should ask. You should okay. ask. Okay. Am I so sure? I need to see the calibration certificate. When was it last calibrated? Calibration means that they've checked and confirmed that the machine is working within the required specification. The dials that are used for identification of these genes, mm. they are within the required specification. It's working within the required temperature. So, at that point, at least you'll be rest assured that, okay, there's no machine problem in the result I'm having. The other one might be application. Probably maybe the user extracting your, the, the RNA for the PCR, for the real-time PCR. Maybe there's a cross-contamination somewhere. I'm going to that machine. So, mm-hmm. let Okay, so that, this so, is all scary. So this yes. could be positive, yeah. uh, no, no, fake positive or yeah. fake negative results. Yeah, yeah, of course, hmm. there are fake positive. Yeah, it's like, but people don't know. That's why it's something they will check after a week. They will tell you that they are not negative. I'm, 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 I've, I've been cured. How come? Just so fast. <laughs> so these are some of the things that you have the right yes. to hack. I need to be sure that is this machine calibrated. Let me see your maintenance log. Hmm. Part of the preventive maintenance is that you can be checking. They, they should give us a log to show that every day we are logging the temperature, that the temperature is correct. Let me give you a good example. I have a boss in UCH. I was working on his freezer. It's a minus 80 degree freezer. It's an ultralow freezer. It's used for sorting samples. Now, when I was, I usually do routine maintenance on the freezer. So, he sent some of the sample to Barcelona for them to work on. 
and uh, they, they sent a mail to him. I think after two days, I was like, "Oh, the, the samples uh, they are not working fine. They are tall." What, what, what they mean by tall is um, T A W. Yeah, it means that it's cold. Then the freezer is warm. To defrost, it defrost. Uh, yeah. Then it froze the again. Yeah. So he called me, Henry. I, they, they reject my sample. I don't know. They are complaining. The freezer is not working with this specification. I said, "No, I have my log, but don't worry. I can log everything." So I went back to the the minus eighty degree freezer. I put my USB drive. I logged the the result, the temperature per minute for the past eight months. Wow! Because I was hundred percent sure that I'm doing what is right, mm. and the certificate for every of my validation, I was sent it to them by mail to Barcelona, only to to get a feedback mm. after two days, like they were sorry that is the method and the kit they were using over there that is wrong. Right. Imagine if we hadn't have our own information. And we are sure that we are doing the right thing. We would have felt that maybe the freezer is not working okay. with those specification. Mm. And this is what I throw to researchers here in Nigeria and uh, the other neighboring African countries. When I visit, there was a time I was in Equatorial Guinea, working with the presidency. Now, I noticed that when researchers do uh, research here in Africa, I I had my master's, my first master's, let me put it that way, <laughs> in South Africa. How many do you have? I'm working on a lot. I'm an Ikitima, so don't okay, worry. Right. It runs in the blood there. It runs in the blood. <laughs> so, I was talking to my prof. Yes. Now, the first paper I did, it was accepted in California. So, I was like, ah, so this paper is so easy this way. Like, I just worked on some few things, write mm-hmm. it, and it was accepted by AEEE. It was like, no, that there's something he's going to tell me. When he was sending my paper for review, he attached the calibration certificate mm. and maintenance certificate for all the machines I generated my result from. So, when my paper got to the reviewer, they don't have a problem with my result. The, what they want to know is the interpretation and the contribution to knowledge. Mm. But in this part, you send a paper for review, and the paper takes like six months before you get a feedback. They will be asking you, uh, this result, this graph, is it correct with this? Is it? You can save yourself the trouble by doing proper maintenance and calibration of your machine so that you'll be 100% sure that what you are getting conforms to standard and the result mm. is accurate and precise. It's the Inkaba Science Show on the Beat 97.9 FM. We're talking about um, instrument maintenance, a key to longevity. We have um, our engineer in the studio. is engineer Henry Ogumode, the original engineering manager at uh, Inkaba Biotech West Africa. We'll take a short break. When we get back, we'll continue the conversation. Don't go away. Dad, why does the sun follow me everywhere I go? I think it's actually just everywhere you go. What do you mean, Daddy? Mm, my son. Well, science explains how the Earth revolves around the sun. Interesting, Dad. I thought the Earth is a stationary object. How does it revolve around the sun? Hmm. I don't have an accurate answer for this, but I do know where to find answers. The Inkaba Science Show on the Beat 97.9 FM. Ibado. Okay, Daddy. Son, where are you off to? I'm off to tell my friends to tune in to the Inkaba Science Show every Monday on the Beats 97.9 FM Ibadan by 9 a.m. and also catch the repeat broadcast on Thursday by 5 p.m. We can't miss it! The Inkaba Science Show, powered by Inkaba Biotech, Africa's genomics company. Here's the Inkabal Science Show. 
Welcome back. This is the Inkaba Sign Show right here on the Beat 97.9 FM. I said earlier that today's episode is the final episode for Season 4 of the Inkaba Sign Show. And the new Season 5 will start on the 2nd of August. Um, you can um, reach out to us if you have any questions, suggestions, anything you want to say, comment regarding the show by sending a message to 0817-5823-244. If you have any comments, suggestions, or questions about the show before we start um, Season 5 in the month of August. But to be a part of today's conversation, call 0700 1,000, If you have any questions uh, for our engineer in the studio regarding instrument maintenance, how to ensure that, um, you know, you um, increase the lifespan of your equipment, maybe in your lab, maybe even your house as well, you know, uh, your freezer, your AC, your whatever it is that you're, you have, you can call 0700 to um, ask your question from our guests in the studio. So you, you've, you've actually spoken a lot about, um, you know, uh, instrument maintenance. Uh, I remember when you you um, started earlier. You said you talked said something about um, the freezers we use in the house. Um, I for one didn't even know you can set the temperature of your of your yeah, freezer yeah. in your house. And most of the time, we don't even get to check the freezer until maybe there's no power for like three four days, and you feel oh the food you stored, um, you know, is is, is is spoiling. So you want to clear it out, and then you you clean it. So I mean. T- t- tell us about uh, how you can, you know, maintain the freezer and the dangers of not doing proper check on this uh, equipment in the house. Okay, so um, using freezer as a case study, mm. um, we know the the the, the power, uh, the kind of situation, power, yeah. power situation in the, in the country. So of course, you always have power. Sometimes you don't have sometimes. So it means the freezer is frozen at some point. And it defroze. So when it defroze. You need to open it and clean up all the waters, all the defrosted water. It's very important. What does that do? I've seen a situation that somebody tries to open the freezer door and it doesn't open. Because there was a space in between the door and the wall of the door. Mm. So the, there, was, there was ice in between. So it got stuck. So but over time, they were supposed to be cleaning the waters at the edge and scraping those ice. Mm. So when there's a space in between, it forms ice, then you, can't, you are unable to open it. Then secondly, the defrost water comes to the bottom of the freezer. And um, it's quite funny these days. People place their freezer on the floor. There's nothing to brace it underneath. So when the water comes out of the freezer, it, it goes to the back mm. where you have the compressor. I you know water and... Uh, Let's <laughs> take this call, engineer. Let's take this call. Hello, good morning. Hello? Hello, good morning. Good morning. Your name, where are you calling from? This is Pius. I'm calling from Passion. Okay, go ahead, Mr. Pius. Oh, we, we lost our call. Please try to call us back if you can. 0700-1979. Yes, you were making a point before the call. So, so the water goes, um, it's on the floor, and it goes to the to the electrical part, which is the compressor part, the east exchanger part, and this is not good. So, you always have to clean the water and ensure that it's dry for the next uh, process, whereby there's, uh, when power is restored. Yes. Then secondly, in the freezer, some of the free, most of the freezer has what you call the heat exchanger. Let me call it a filter, whereby the heat comes out like a radiator of a car. One more call. Hello, good morning. Yeah, this is Paris. Okay, okay. Go ahead. I have some SSH. You have what? A phone, Samsung SSH. A phone, okay. So, the battery goes I check. 
change the battery. And if that means I change the battery, if I'm charging the phone room which hundred percent, it only stops at sixty percent. Even if you stay for several hours, um, um, I wonder who will be first. Okay. Okay. I got the question. All right. Thank you. Thank you. You want to answer the question? Okay. Yes. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Mr. Pius. Uh, with rega- regarding your question, I mentioned something about uh, specification earlier. You said you changed the battery of the phone. Did you check the specification on the new battery and the old one that comes with the phone? Now, what I mean by specification is it will tell you the amp, the amperes, the, mm-hmm. the maximum amperes of that particular battery. Let's say, for example, the one you are using before is uh, 1,000 amperes. Maybe what you bought is like 600 amperes. The performance can't be the same because what the phone required is 1,200. Mm. So you will need to check the, the specification on the battery. It's not just getting a battery that fits into your phone. It's about that battery having the specification required by that phone, phone to work at that optimal level. Right. So the fact that the new battery is working and it doesn't work at optimal level that you expect, it doesn't charge it means that 100%. The prof- exactly. It means that the, the specification of that battery does not meet the requirements of that phone. phone. Okay. So just double check and you, you see what I'm saying. Okay, let's uh, continue with your line of thought before so, the call came in. So you you need to, the each exchanger, you need to um, clean it regularly mm. by using a blower to blow it. Or if you look at the ones in the in the AC, they wash them so that you can have a fresh air. They will be, that's why they call it the each exchanger. You need to exchange some heat out for you to add, to have your watch. So the one that looks there. like um that looks like a radiator of a car. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The same thing for a radiator too. You need to use water to spray your radiator so that you can blow all the dirt and everything out because it's the one that exchanges all the energy. Yeah. So these are one of the maintenance. Now let me quickly do a rundown of the calibration process I was talking ab- okay. about earlier. So I told you that calibration in a simple language is just a way of adjusting mm. or configuring a device to work with a requirement. There's always requirement for different devices. Now, there are various um, calibration that we can do. I've mentioned one earlier, which is temperature calibration. calibration. Like adjusting the temperature. If the temperature needs to be at 37 and the guy is at 30, there are devices which are used to adjust that temperature mm. to 37. Then you now do what you call observation to check performance. I've seen this a lot of times. When people go for installation, they just put on the machine and say it's working. No problem. Thank you very much. They start clapping for them. That's not installation. <laughs> you need to check performance. So when the guy starts working, you need to observe. For one hour, two hours, the next day you come and check, okay, it's everything. So the next day you have to check all the parameters. Okay, let me check the temperature is correct. Uh, the pressure is correct. So we call it a checklist. Performance checklist. You check everything. Everything is correct. Then you have done the right thing you are supposed to do. So, one is temperature calibration. Mm. There is another one, flow calibration. Flow can be in any form. It can be hair or, um, or, or liquid. Let me use air, for example. I want to do, talk about things that is related to virtually everybody. Yeah. Now, for COVID-19, when they take sample from people, they take it to a flow wood. It's called a cabinet. Now, what the flow wood does is it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's exchange. The, because what you are bringing is a contaminated sample. Mm. There's COVID there. And you need to extract the RNA to check the COVID results. Now, you do it in a flow wood. The flow wood helps you to exchange a contaminated air, filter it, and transfer the filter there into the atmosphere. Its job is to, is to make sure that the contaminated air is being filtered. Okay. It will, dis, it will be contaminated. Yes. Okay. 
then the the filter there goes out now in that case we need to check the airflow hmm. now there's a device we use which you call uh, an uh, anemometer an anemometer is used to check the the speed of air so you can check and say okay is the airflow because in that in that cabinet it will show you that the laminar airflow is maybe 0.45 meter per second you also need to check yourself that is it actually 0.45 using an anemometer if they are not the same there might be issues somewhere Mm. because you need to check the one that is the flow from the inside the cabinet and the one that comes out and you also need to check that guy is not contaminated (laughs) so these are some of these are one uh, calibration there's another thing which you call pipette calibration pipette is very 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 important in fact pipette there's no laboratory you get to in the world that you don't see a pipette what is a pipette a pipette is just a simple device that is used for picking volumes used for picking different volumes of liquid and we use pipette mainly for uh there are micro pipettes for picking small volume. let's say for example you want to pick two microliter you know how small two microliter <laughs> i have no idea yeah but for molecular diagnostics yeah, they use smaller volume okay you take you take a nasa swab for somebody's nose then you so you are working with smaller volume so the pipette does aspiration and dispensing so at aspiration level i want to aspirate five i'll set it to five and pick five then i want to dispense five i dispense five I need to be sure that I actually pick five and mm. I'm also dispensing five. Mm. Because at that point, if the volume is different, for different kits that are used for extraction of RNA for COVID-19 testing, they have their own sample volume range. They will tell you that, okay, for 400 microliter of sample that you take from somebody, you need to add uh, maybe four microliter of protein SK. Mm. You need to add 800 viral DNA RNA. When you are adding four microliter of protein SK, your pipette is picking seven microliter of protein SK. My brother, the result cannot be the same. <laughs> so we need to calibrate that pipette because it's the one that does bulk of the work. Nobody is going to use his hand to touch a sample. You collect it with the tube and use pipette to transfer from one point to another. So pipette does virtually most of the basic work in the lab. So imagine if the pipette is not picking the right volume. Of course, there, there will be attrition. Mm. Because the kit you are using has already told you that don't go beyond four microliter for protein sk mm-hmm. and the guy is picking seven of course it will alter your results secondly in the process of extracting that rna there's still incubation you need to incubate everybody knows that incubation talks about temperature yeah so if you are incubating at 60 degrees the guy is at 70 or he's at 80 you are cooking food already <laughs> so at that point that's when you say situation they will tell you that the person is negative you have killed everything before already you even do the whole process and the person, go, and the person goes is positive you know, celebrating that negative. So, pipette calibration is one of the things that is being used. Yes. Very important in the laboratory because you are dealing with human life. You need to ensure safety of human life. You don't transfer. Uh, in some cases, there are even some pipettes where you pick the volume. Instead of it holding the volume, the, vo- the liquid itself, it will be dropping while they're moving it. So, it drops on the bench. <laughs> Sometimes it draws in another person's sample. <laughs> I mix it. <laughs> I mix it off. But the, 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 the lab scientist doesn't know because he's working, he's busy, he didn't know yeah. the guy was dropping. But it's supposed to observe with the preventive maintenance I talked, talked about. Talked about earlier. Yeah. So, in that case, the calibration helps us to say, okay, what, what, what results into dropping of the liquid? Now, another thing that is quite important is enlightenment. It's very important. Different pipette works with different volume. 
let me give you a, a, a simple example water and viscous liquid mm. water has a very smooth flow there's no re- restriction very it flows easily but when you have a viscous liquid it's one that flows sluggishly like palm oil if you need to use pipette to pick palm oil there's tendency that it might drop so you need to use the appropriate pipette to that is suitable mm. to pick that guy so it's what you're trying to pick that determines the equipment you're you using. Are going to use okay and this is things that i find somewhere people want to buy stuff we need a pipette they'll tell you oh this price is high you tell them, this is what is suitable for your intended application but they don't understand at the end of the day when they get it and they say oh this is giving us problem this and this uh, yeah, uh, yeah. engineer for, for from all of the all, all, everything you've explained so far especially this uh covid19 testing yeah. um you know and the need for the maintenance of the equipment used for the testing in those labs one would um wonder why uh you know a lot of people have suggested that maybe the figures in terms of infection might not be as accurate as you know they're coming out given the nature of nigeria and other african countries with yeah. how we are uh, maintenance culture you know our uh should i say um integrity because integrity also comes yeah. into question yeah, when, yeah. when it comes to this as well so what do you make of that argument that you know sometimes maybe the figures that we're turning out from what you've explained because it's actually a lot and it's going to be hard to find a lab that will be able to get to be thorough in doing all of these things yes yeah w- with the result uh let me put it this way um for me as a as a, as a biomedical engineer I, mm. I work with a lot of labs most times when I visit laboratories, they always be like, hey, this guy is here again. <laughs> ah, yeah. We don't know this. We don't know that. that. Like, no, you need to take measures. It might not. It might not be 100%. Mm. Now, uh, there's... Uh, because there's a lot you've explained there, now. There, 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 can go wrong in that yeah, there's, period there's of... Let, let, let yes. me relate it to the guys that are in the mathematical world. There's something they call hypothesis. They say hypothesis is a statement which is either true or false. But how do you know when it is true? Mm. because there will be a, le- a, a, a confidence in a level of significance that you can say that at this level of significance I can tell you at 95 level of significance this result is correct that 95% level of significance are all the measures that I've mentioned earlier mm. maintenance calibration user uh, user um, a user aspect as well let's take this call hello hello good morning morning yeah, this is part of Okay. Uh, the engineer made mention of the battery capacity. When I bought the battery, it was the same capacity and the same voltage with the original battery. So since all these requirements have been met, what would we suggest to you? Okay. Okay. Okay, so let me quickly um, add something to what I'm saying. There's um, electrical maintenance. Now, the first time you you charge the battery did you did you check your outputs from your supply your mains yeah this the people people say this a lot they uh you have a new uh, a new a new device mm. and um, you charge with the generator for example where you cannot regulate the voltage in most cases in you most cases <laughs> because of the power situation yes it's my result to uh malfunctioning of some of this device mm. so i will i will want him to check the supply it gets from is made from the first point of use of that thing and also check the uh the specification for that particular uh phone and the div- and the battery itself mm. because i uh, i mentioned something about ambient temperature regions there are cars that are made from nigeria for nigeria for all three regions in nigeria there are cars that are made for 
cold regions. Mm. So if you buy a car that is made for a cold region, you're using it in Nigeria, you're experiencing some of these things. It might not really be the part that you are using. Mm. It might just be probably the, the, the environmental factors are not the suitable. Atmosphere. Yeah. The atmosphere. They are not suitable for that particular device. Okay. These are some of the things you need to check. You should check the phone and see, okay, this phone, where was it made? Is it a common phone in Nigeria? Secondly, check the main, the power supply, the voltage in its place. I almost had a scenario one day like that, that uh, there is this equipment we normally supply. And the equipment is, is always coming with 230 volts, which is the Nigerian uh, normal volt for usage of um, equipment. Mm. Only to get to the lab, I just, uh, it's my normal routine check. I'll check the specification before I connect. I'll check the one from the main and the one from the... Checking the back of the equipment, it was 110. I was like, why is it 110? But this thing has always come as 230. Mm. If I had ignored that guy and connect the 230, the story is another thing. <laughs> so, you need to check the, the voltage being supplied and look at if this region is suitable for that particular phone. There was a phone I was using back then in school. It's been a long time. They call it Express Music. Yeah. yeah. That phone was so nice. I love it and everything. Three of my friends were using the same phone. We were big boys then. We were so happy. Like, oh no, ah, this phone is good. Express Music. It was the same week. The old screen was blank. My old screen was blank on Monday. My roommate screen was blank on Wednesday. The other guy was black on Saturday. It was just white. Only to discover that it seems like the manufacturer decided to do another production and they want to take that out of market. And right. that brings me to the point of calibration is in two forms. It can be software, it can be hardware. Hmm. Sometimes if you are using your phone, you check your, your Play Store, it tells you that there is a new updated firmware for this phone. Before you are using maybe 2.0, now there is not 3.0. That 3.0 is not just number. They've considered some factors for your region and decide to do an upgrade to be suitable for your Fashion. region. So you can do, part of maintenance is to upgrade your the software, software, your operating software mm. for that machine. So these are some of the things that we need to take into place. Whenever we are getting anything... Hello? Hello? Hello, good morning. Hi, good morning. My name is Dami. I'm calling from Akubo. Alright, go ahead, Dami. Right, just want to contribute a little bit. Right. Sure, because of what the last caller brought up. Right. Right. Um, sometimes um, we always ignore it, right? Um, especially I can use the example of the phone, right? Uh, uh, people just some people believe like oh because the um, eclectic power supply in Nigeria, so they must always charge their phone at every opportunity at least to have a full battery. battery yes. So. Um, I this is what I usually would advise people, right? You don't just buy phones or any gadgets based off of uh, social symbol or what. So also gauge your usage. So for instance, if you are like a heavy user, right, and you would always have, you would always try for full for um, for extended time. Then you get battery, you get phones with battery capacity, you know that. Um, that would fulfill your usage, right? So that you don't have to always charge your phone because even when you check um, your phone, for instance, I use the phone, I got the phone, um, my friends got the same phone, right? 7 Pro Max, I got it in 2019, right? My, I was about to upgrade my phone. My battery health was still at 90%. I was like almost three years later because I would 
wait for I don't charge my phone consistently. I would wait for it to get to like thirty percent or forty or twenty percent before I charge it. So um battery usage, people need to also understand that the way you use your battery, the same thing with your computers, right? When you get computers with good batteries, right? Um, you don't always have to like leave it um, plugged up to the power supply if, um, because you're because you're using it, right? right. You should use your um, devices intelligently right. Thank because you. that way it will help you Thank you. Batteries. Thank you, yeah. Dami. Thank you, Thank you Dami from Akuba. Thank you so much. Yes, I guess he took the words out of your mouth as yeah, well yeah, in yeah, terms yeah, of, of yeah, mentioning your mobile phones. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a very good point, like mm. you mentioned. So uh, because the thing is, you don't you don't overcharge. Mm. Like uh, how do I put it? You are over. You know, many of us say you get somewhere there is like just quickly plug. <laughs> you don't know. If you, you don't even get the base. Whether the base is actually two thirty volt or yeah, not. Exactly. And like you mentioned, you you always have to allow this thing to uh, to come down a bit. You don't yeah. overcharge because at that point it's at maximum. That's why you see on the laptop, you connect your charger and it's saying it's saying not charging if you put your cursor on it uh charger plugged in but not charging, charging. because it has reached the maximum you know you need to take this guy out <laughs> so you don't overcharge it's like uh, you you are pressurizing it it has got it to the maximum all right engineer eric it has been a very um interesting conversation with you on, on the show but um you want to quickly um add something before we go just um parting words before we go yeah so the thing is uh what i want to add is that uh, to ensure the longevity of your equipment or device mm. is for you to pay attention to those devices. See them as uh, women's that, oh, the more attention I give to this guy, the basic things I put in place for this guy is going to make this guy live long. Even individual, you want to eat well. Mm-hmm. You want to sleep well. Mm-hmm. You want to wake up well. You want to look good. Because you are paying attention and to your yourself. equipment needs to look good as well. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much, uh, Engineering Ogumodede, for being a part of the show today. I've been discussing instrument maintenance, a key to longevity for your equipment, for the lifespan of your equipment, either in your laboratory or in your home. So, like I said earlier, this is the final episode of the Inkaba Science Show for Season 4. And new season will kickstart on the 2nd of August, 2021. So, if you have any questions, ideas, Ideas, suggestions, comments, anything you want to say about the show, send a message to 081-7582-3244. 081-7582-3244. Thank you for listening. Um, join this uh, broadcast of this episode on Thursday at 5 p.m. And then we'll see you next season.